I trust it's well with your soul this morning. Matthew 26. The Upper Room Discourse. Last Supper. We read the, the account of the Passover Seder meal Jesus instituted for the last time in verses 25 through 29. Our text verse, however, this morning is the last verse, which is often overlooked, which is just almost in taking and bypassing. The Bible says, And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Earlier in the evening, we looked at it last Sunday, John 14, 27, Jesus said an hour or two earlier, he said, My peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. We talked about the place of peace last Sunday morning. We looked at the world's peace, the world's claim to peace. We saw, we saw it was passing political and phony. We looked at Christ's peace. It's exclusive. It's evangelical. It's everlasting. We ended by looking at heaven's peace. It's a place of, it's a palace peace, a personal peace, a perfect peace, a perpetual peace, and it can be a present peace. This world's, Jesus almost always greeted his disciples and ended his, with his disciples with the word peace. In the Hebrew language, it's the word shalom. Shalom. It's a term of safety, assurance, reconciliation. The word shalom is multidimensional. It means complete well-being. Are you feeling physically well to this morning? I hope you are. Psychologically, well, psychologically, you're in good shape. Socio, socio, societal and spiritual. The word shalom means, and it has entails in it, when Jesus said shalom, he means, I want you to have peace with God. Peace with others. When a man's ways make it, please the Lord, he make it even his enemies to be at peace with him, the Bible says. And peace with oneself. So here in our text, in the Last Supper, this Passover, in Matthew and Mark's gospel as well, records the fact that Jesus sang in the hour of his greatest tribulation, you see, he knew what the next hours would bring. He knew that he was heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he would die for, he would go to the cross of Calvary. He would die for all man's sins, sins the greatest hour of his tribulation, trouble of all eternity was about to be upon him, and he knew it. J. Oswald Sanders said it this way, The Son of God approached the sorrows of Gethsemane, the shame of Gabbatha, and the sufferings of Golgotha with a song on his lips. The Bible doesn't say accidentally, but it says on purpose. And when they had sung in hymn, they went out. We sang two songs this morning in congregational singing, Constantly Abiding, Jesus is Mine, and There's a Peace in My Heart that the World Never Gave, a peace I cannot take away. And then we sang that song, It is well with my soul. Those sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring in my life, in your life, in America, but the Lord knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And he knows the future. And this hymn, this hymn is meant to, uh, is, uh, hymns to the Lord are meant to give God praise. The purpose for our singing this morning, and I know it's very anemic in the car, we can't hear the congregational singing, I get it. But we lift up our voices as a great congregation to the Lord. One day, a thousand times a thousand and thousands of thousands, hundreds of millions of people will sing together in heaven for all eternity and will give God glory to whom 
are all things by him. We live and move and have our being. We'll give him glory and praise. And so songs are meant to, hymns are meant to give God praise and to give us peace, the peace of God that passes understanding. When peace like a river attendeth my way. So Jesus sang, first of all, when he sang, he sang to his heavenly father. When we sing in church and when we sing in our cars and we sing and we make music melody ourselves to the Lord, we sing first of all to our heavenly father. But then Jesus sang with his brethren. He sang with the, the house of God, with the, the church of God at that time, 11 of his disciples, at the, what we know of as the Last Supper. And it's interesting, but we know what he's saying. Just like we sang, It is well with my soul. Most of you know that song. They sang a song that was very famous that they sang at every Passover at Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Dedication, the Feast of Tabernacles. They sang the Hallel Psalm. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 118 now, if you would please. Psalm 118, this is a song that they sung, and I can guarantee you they had it memorized like we, most of us know, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. They sang this Hallel Psalm. You say, what is the Hallel Psalm? The word Hallel or Hallelujah means praise, praise the Lord. And the Psalm, the Hallel Psalm of Psalms, the great Hallel Psalm, is Psalm 113 to 118. Originally, this Psalm was one Psalm. Later on, it was divided into the, the, the five Psalms that we have, the six Psalms that we have now, 113 to 118. And they would sing this Psalm at the, all the great feasts, the Passover again in the Pentecost and Dedication, Tabernacles, Feast. Four times a year they would sing this song. They sang it in two parts. Earlier on in the evening they evidently sang verses chapter 113 through 115 and then, and then at the end of the supper they sang a hymn, they sang the second part of the psalm. Maybe move my rocks please. They sang the second part of the psalm, which was Psalm 115 to 118. Here's the spiritual truth for today. Jesus wants us to give us, his children, peace, serenity, calm in our greatest hour of crisis. I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know if there's going to be another death or another COVID crisis or some, something that's going to break out that we have no clue about. Four months ago, we had no clue about the current pandemic. Two weeks ago, we had no clue about the events of Minneapolis. And I don't have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow, and neither do you, but he does. And he knows. Ira Stanfield wrote the words, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry over the future, for I know that what Jesus said. And today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what is ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds the tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. And Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, peace be with you. I want to talk about the serenity that's found in Jesus Christ. And as he's saying to his disciples, he wanted to give them peace. He sang the great praise him and his disciples, and to his disciples the serenity of calm. So he's saying psalms we sing hymns and spiritual songs to the lord of course to give him glory that he deserves we sing to each other that we might calm our lives calm our calm our spirits i want to deal with three things this morning here in psalm 118 now to have serenity in the word serenity means 
calmness, peace of mind, tranquility, unflappability, I like that word. Don't get easily moved or shook. Restfulness. The Bible says he giveth his beloved rest. Stillness. Psalm says several times, be still and know that I am God. Take time out and slow down and, and, and realize that he is God. So the message titled this morning should probably be better, better titled, not the serenity of Christ, but the serenity of the Christian. Because he, Jesus wanted to give his disciples peace, knowing that they had still no clue what was going to happen in the next few hours as they went to Gethsemane's garden to their prayer meeting, which they had probably gone to many times before. But this is going to be like, unlike any other prayer meeting because Jesus would be betrayed, of course. And Psalm 118, this Hallel Psalm, in fact, just turn back. I just want you to see Psalm 113, if I can turn to my Bible without the pages blowing around here. Psalm 113, this one singular psalm begins in verse number 1 of Psalm 113. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye, O ye his servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the, the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. You see the, the flavor that begins this, this psalm, this Hallel, this great psalm of praise. We get to fast forward to chapter 115 and verse 18, the last verse of the psalm of 115. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise ye the Lord. And this psalm builds... And, and praise, and, like a, and it's going to come to a grand finale. We get to chapter 8, 118 now. We get to the last verses, which are verses 22 through 29. And this is the rest of our, the balance of our messages this morning. As Jesus sang with his disciples, he sang, first of all, God. Then he sang, secondly, to his disciples. He wanted to give praise to God and serenity to calmness to his disciples. And I want you to notice this, this morning as we begin now, Psalm 118, verse number 22, as Jesus sang, of course, it was in Hebrew. I have no idea what the melody was like. I have no idea. I don't know Hebrew myself. And so uh, the words, obviously, were in a different language. But in our Bible, in our English, it reads, The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. I want you to know that there's three things to have serenity in, Christian, this morning on this June 7th, 2020. I want you to know that we can have serenity, first of all, in knowing the cornerstone, knowing the rock of our salvation, knowing Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus, 55 times, specific times in, in the scriptures, he's called the cornerstone or the stone. The Bible says in John 1 and verse 11, Jesus said to his he said, he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. To them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so there's serenity in knowing the cornerstone. First of all, receive him. I think back in my testimony is the testimony I know the best because it happened to me personally. As a young boy, when I went to that country Baptist church, and an old-fashioned evangelist stood up and preached the gospel, he talked about a place called hell and talked about a remedy in Jesus Christ and the, the need for salvation. I remember going forward and I think they sang just as I am without one plea. I walked forward, this 11-year-old boy went to the preacher's back office back in those days, the inquiry room they used to call it. And he sat me down for maybe 15, 20 minutes after the message and he explained to me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said I needed to call upon Jesus and as a child I 
received him into my heart and life. I called upon Jesus to save me from my sins. I rested on the cornerstone. I wish I could say my faith was unshook after that, but we didn't go to church. and I didn't hear the gospel, and I didn't hear the word of God for another five or six years, really. It wasn't until I was an older teenager that I began to read my Bible for myself and started to go to church, go back to church, rather. And I realized that I started reading the Romans and the Ephesians and the, the, uh, the Galatians. And I started to see that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And I remember getting on my knees one more time and I prayed the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus, I prayed a prayer something like this, Lord, if I'm not saved, I call upon Jesus and him alone to be my savior right now. And I never needed to do that again because he came into my heart and he saved me from my sins. I look back on it now, I believe Jesus saved me in my simplicity as a young child at 11 years of age. I just had my assurance on that that day when I was 16 or 17 years of age. So there's great serenity, this peace of passes understanding to know the, the rock of our salvation, to know the cornerstone, to have your feet on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Receive him. Don't reject him. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. Jesus gave the parable of the good man that went to a far, con- that went to a far country and sent his son eventually to reap the the rewards of uh, the, the servants that were left behind at the, the, the farmstead. Jesus said in Luke 19 and verse 14, But the citizens hated him, hated him and sent a messenger after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. Jesus, as he sang this psalm in 118 with his disciples, he knew that he would be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and his own people would reject him. He knew that. And he said, The stone which the builders refused has become the head of the corner. Today is the day of salvation. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. Today is the day to receive Christ as Savior before it's too late. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to put your faith into the cornerstone. Don't reject him. He says, he's, uh, he, he, we are to receive him as the cornerstone. We're not to reject him. And secondly, he's meant to be the stone of salvation. Not as our text says, the stone of stumbling. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. In Isaiah chapter 8 and verse number 13, the Bible says, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he shall be a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both houses of Israel for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Again, he came unto his own, his own received him not. Jesus is meant to be the stone of salvation in your life, for other foundation can no man lay than that of which is Jesus Christ. Put your faith and trust in the firm foundation of the Lord Jesus. He's not meant to be a stone of stumbling. Some people choke over the fact that Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. They say that's narrow. No, that's inclusive. All that come to him can come to him, and he will refuse no one. He will not cast out anyone. So there's simplicity in receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. The Bible says, But I fear, lest by any means as a serpent beguiled even through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. There's a place of serenity in knowing the cornerstone. I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So there's a, a serenity that passes understanding that the world cannot know, that the world does not know. It's, and 
even though his disciples didn't understand these words as they sang it for the hundredth, umpteen hundredth time, no doubt. He said, the Lord sang in prose. He sang, the stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. My submission to you is that most Christians don't understand how precious Jesus Christ is to them. But he is their all in all. He's their salvation completely. There is no salvation without Christ. And so there's a serenity of, of having Christ knowing the cornerstone in our hearts and lives. But then verse 23, as the, as the song leader, Jesus Christ himself, led his congregation of 11 in song, they sang these words. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. There's secondly the serenity of fulfilling the Lord's will. The Bible says this is the Lord's, Jehovah's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus had absolute peace that he was fulfilling the will of the Father. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus had absolute peace in knowing that he came to earth to please his Father. Psalm 40 and verse 8, Jesus would sing these words as well. I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. This is, this is Lord's doing. I ask you the question, what is the greatest delight in your life? Hopefully it is to, to know the will of God. I want you to notice, if you would please, the greatest amazement. The scriptures say again, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous. It's incredible. It's amazing in our eyes that we get to live to be, to, to be to the praise of his glory, that we get to know the will of God for our lives. The greatest amazement is to know the will of God in your life. Millions upon millions, yes, it's probably into the billions of people around planet Earth have no idea, no earthly reason why they're even in existence. They don't know that they were created for the praise of his glory. I heard a terrible story the other day on the news. Of course, all, almost all the news that we hear is terrible, isn't it? And I heard a story in the news of the young boy that, uh, or the father, almost with tears in his eyes as he talked about his son, that 13-year-old son that just committed suicide a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. They just buried him, placed him in the ground, and he was on national television pleading for the kids that are being locked up in their houses and so forth and you know, taken away from school and out of their comfort zones, of course. And the number one, two reasons why children and teens and preteens are dying is suicide. This young 13-year-old boy committed suicide. No purpose for living. Many people live that way. They have no purpose, no, no reason for existence. But Christian, I want you to know the greatest amazement is to think that God has a divine purpose for your life. That God loved you before, you before you were even born. That he knew you. That God has a purpose in your life. Not just a purpose for the preacher. Not just a purpose for missionaries. But a purpose for all of his children that receive Christ as a Savior. God has a divine design for your life. So it's, there's serenity in fulfilling the Lord's will. The greatest amazement is to know the will of God. The greatest accomplishment is to do it. It's one thing to know the will of God. Many people know what they should do. Not many people know that they should serve the Lord. Houses of America ought to be packed all across America this day as we come out and praise the Lord. But millions of Christians are staying at home. Millions of Christians are, are, are hiding behind closed doors and they're not coming to the house of God. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The greatest accomplishment is to do the will of God. Just do it, Nike says. Live, the, live, live to, praise, to the praise of his glory day by day. Every day decided you're going to live for God. Job said, the Lord gave. 
the Lord has taken away. We've had a lot taken away from us in the last three months. America is no longer the land that we knew. And uh, it's a different nation today than it was three months ago. There's things are being taken away and so forth. Maybe our wealth is taken away. We're, we have this artificial, uh, artificial injection of uh, money that we're borrowing from ourselves to try to prop up our nation and our country. One day there's going to be a payday, I'm afraid. But I want you to know that we are to live one day at a time, regardless. Job said, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Whatever happens, we live, we live to do his will. Jesus said, and he sang the song as he was about ready to go to the cross. This is the day, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And so I want you to see this serenity that comes with knowing the cornerstone, verse 22. This serenity that comes to the Christian by fulfilling the Lord's will, verse 23. But verse 24, notice it with me. This is the day. This is the day. Jesus saying as in that last supper, in that the, the, the last evening with his disciples before his betrayal, just hours later on, he said, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. There is thirdly the serenity of living this day in praise. This day and every day in praise. Jesus knew the day and praised. He knew, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus one day would go to the cross of Calvary just hours from this point where he sang this song and he'd say those words, it is finished. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid the final price for our sins, all the whole price for our sins on that cross. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew that one day he would endure the cross. I digress for a few moments here, and I guess you can hear me. I think I need to yell, but I guess I can just talk conversationally. But Christ, he went to that cross, and I, I've heard people tell me, even people in our church congregation, they're not here this morning, so I'll pick on them, but don't ask me who, I will never tell you. But I've had people tell me in our congregation, say, Preacher, I don't like when you preach on the crucifixion. I can't stand to hear it. I can't bear it. It's too much. I want you to know that joyfully Jesus went shamelessly to that cross, despising the shame. And he hung and bled and died on that cross. And I believe one reason we don't have a crucifixion in our churches is because I don't believe no crucifixion image could ever portray what Jesus really went for us, what died for us on the cross, how he died for us. I believe he died on that cross naked. He died to be our sin bearer. He died to take away all of our sin. And he did it gladly to pay for our sins for us. Jesus knew the day and he praised it. He says he was with joy that was set before him. And it's amazing what praising can do in a sad and dark time in our lives. It's amazing what praising can do. It can bring us out of drudgery. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 8 and verse 2, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength. Jesus quoted that verse in Matthew 26 and 21 and verse 16 when he says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. You see, strength and praise are synonymous with one another. This, Nehemiah said, The joy of the Lord is your strength. There's, there's strength in praise. I go home and I make a big mistake and I've, I've, I'm finally starting to correct myself. 
I've been watching news every night. There's a dangerous thing to do. That's a very damaging thing to do to your psyche. And you read, read the news and so forth, and you see the news rather, and, you, and I go down that depressing wormhole. As I watch that news, and I say, somebody's got to talk to them about some good news. Somebody's got to talk about, share the good news that doesn't make news. And Jesus is, is, is full of good news here. There's, there's a serenity and a peace that we have when we can praise the Lord no matter what the day is. We come to the final crescendo of this chapter, verses 25 to 29. I just want to read them to you and make some application and be done. The Bible says, Save now, Jesus would sing these words as he's about ready to go to the cross of Calvary. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Oh, the, the prosperity we have in the fact that Christ went to the cross of Calvary. The eternal blessing and eternal home and eternal bliss that we have because he paid it all. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. I'm glad that Jesus Christ, when he hung on that cross, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set them free, but he stayed on the cross. It wasn't the cords that bound him on that cross. It was the love for you and I that bound him on that cross. He stayed on that cross and... They mocked him and they said, he saved others himself, he cannot save. And they were partially correct with that because he didn't save himself so that he could save us. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. He became the sacrifice for our sins. Verse 28, Jesus would sing these words to his disciples. Thou art my God, I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. And then look at the last words of this song. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever as Jesus was going to the cross of Calvary and he knew it and his disciples were still blinded to it he said his mercy endureth forever give thanks and thanksgiving to the Lord and so I want you to know that in the serenity of living this day for praise Jesus knew the day in praise but I also want you to know this Jesus knew that his affliction his hours on the cross six to be exact his hours on the cross were but light affliction 2 Corinthians 4, 16 tells us these words. For, for which cause we faint not. I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of fainting in recent days and recent weeks. I admit, I hate to remind you of my humanity. But I've done a lot of fainting, a lot of spiritual, mental collapsing, if you will. The Bible says, but for, we cause, for, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish... Yet the inward man is renewed day by day, day by day, and with each passing moment, the songwriter says, strength I find to carry on. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says these words, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I want you to know there's, there's a little affliction today makes for a lot of glory tomorrow and forever. A little affliction today, we're here for what the Bible says for a moment. And then we're in eternity, every child of God, forever and ever and ever. That ought to give us solace, that ought to give us calmness, that ought to give us peace, that ought to give us rest and strength. We ought to be able to praise the Lord. We have an opportunity to, to serve the Lord now and have a time of trial now that our weight of glory will be much greater. So give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So the Christian has serenity in knowing and receiving the cornerstone, in knowing and doing the Lord's will, not only knowing it, but doing it. 
and in living this day and every day in praise. So what's our application this, this morning? Christians sing. Sing. Sing in church. Sing in your cars. <laughs> sing in your, your bedroom. Sing, sing in pr privately. Sing publicly. Sing with your brethren. I look forward to the day when the congregation can come together and we can all sing out loud together and make a joyful noise unto the Lord our God. So what day that will be. So singing hymns unto Christ can turn our troubles into treasures. There's a peace that passes understanding. And our sorrows into song. This too shall pass. There's a peace that passes understanding. But God shall, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a peace in my heart that the world never gave. The disciples are going to end in just a few hours. They're going to be in the most turmoil they've ever been in their entire life. But Jesus started off in, when, in this upper room discourse. He started off with the words, let not your heart be troubled. He ends with the words, let not your heart be troubled. And all the way through, he says, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. I give you peace. And let's sing a hymn about it, he said. And they sang Psalm 118. And they said, and they gave thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, and one day we'll be in heaven for all eternity. What a God we have. There's a serenity that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this, this, this morning, Lord, with joy and thanksgiving. First of all, for those that know the cornerstone, know the rock of their salvation, know Christ, and have called upon Christ to save us. Lord, there's a peace that the world cannot know about. Lord, there's a peace in knowing that we are created for a purpose, to do your will, to know your will and to do your will. And that there's a peace in knowing that we can, every day, no matter what the day is, we can praise you. Lord, I pray that you'd be with your people. May we go from here with a voice of joy and thanksgiving. Bless in the evening service tonight. Bless with Evangelist Dan Souza as he comes and has a time of praise tonight, Lord, as we thank you for your goodness to us and we... We celebrate together, Lord, in the service this evening, we pray. Lord, I pray for those that might need to receive Christ as their Savior, even these moments, Lord. Give them unction, Holy Spirit unction right now, where they call upon Christ alone to be their Lord and Savior. May they pray the sinner's prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I deserve to pay for my sins myself in a place called hell. But I ask right now, in the most humble way I know how, that you please come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, be my Lord and Savior. Yes, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and rose again the third day. And I now accept you into my heart and life. Make me your child this moment. And I do pray this in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, dismiss us thy wonderful blessing, we pray. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people, honk your horns. Amen.